All right. Since Romans 12, 1 and 2 are our uh, memory verses of the month, why don't, we, uh, why don't we read them out loud together? Why don't we read them out loud together and then we'll, we'll open and pray. Whatever version you happen to have is fine. So Romans 12, 1. Ready, begin. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Lord, thank You again for Your Word. Thank You for our time of worship and fellowship so far. And now, Father, as we open Your truth, you say in John 17:17, 17, 17, they sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. And so, Lord, uh, we see in verse 2 of this chapter that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, primarily through your truth, through your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, uh, open our understanding and then bring application so that uh, we won't just be hearers this morning, but doers. And in the doing and in the faithful obedience, that uh, transformation will take place. And we will be more and more uh, conformed to the image of Jesus. So we love you. We love your word. And uh, give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been in this series on on transformation, right? And again, verse 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformation is our launching point from the end of last year into this year. And we're asking kind of this question, uh, in 2016, do you desire to be transformed? Do you really desire to be transformed? And, and if we ended last year looking at, you know, as believers, are we about being good and happy or godly and holy? Right, And we saw scripturally that we're called to be holy as God is holy. Right, We're called to be more and more like Jesus. And so we are called to transformation. So you have to answer a couple questions. You know, Do you really want to be transformed? And our word picture is what? Metamorphosis. right? The caterpillar. We've seen slides for several weeks now. The caterpillar to the butterfly. That's metamorphosis. That's metamorphosis. The question is, as good as it sounds, do you want to be? Do you want to be? Because if you say yes, you're also saying yes to change. Mm. As good as as transformation sounds, as good as you want to go, Woo, yeah, I want to be like Jesus. Okay, our survey says, how many here want to be more like Jesus? Careful. I see everyone went like this. Well, what do you mean? Okay, now we're going to say it like you, like you mean it, okay? Only put your hand up if you really want to be transformed. Who here wants to be transformed? <sighs> Deep breath, right? <sighs> right? Because, as you saw the slide, right, the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, the caterpillar dies in the cocoon, and out comes a butterfly, right? There's transformation, there's change. The Bible says, put off the old, put on the new, Right? And so there's a cost to that. There's a cost to that. And we've been looking at at some of the roadblocks. You see it on your notes there, what I call the roadblocks on our journey to transformation. And last week we focused on this idea of can versus can't. Right? 
And we looked at, at this thing that everybody in here has. Even non-believers have this thing called a plausibility structure, right? And if you notes there, if you need notes, put your hand up. Tyler, I think, has extras. But let's, I, I, I uh, shortened this definition, but let's just look at this. The plausibility structure. Everyone has it. It says, it's a belief-forming apparatus that acts as a gatekeeper, letting in evidence that is matched against what we already consider to be possible. My underlining. Plausibility structures filter out claims that we believe cannot be reasonable or potentially true, right? And I shared last time, if, if you're talking to someone who's a non-believer and they right off the bat don't even believe that miracles are possible, that's not part of, it's not plausible, it's not part of their, 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 their worldview, well, you can talk all you want about the resurrection and all you want about the incarnation and all you want about this supernatural indwelling Holy Spirit, but if someone doesn't even believe in miracles, it's not even possible for miracles to happen. You see why you miss? And so if you want to have a, a reasoned discussion with them, you have to step back. Instead of just quoting Scripture and quoting Scripture and quoting Scripture, what you need to do with them is have a conversation about, well, what is a miracle? And let's discuss the possibility of miracles. You see what I'm saying? If someone struggles with the Bible being God's Word... Well, nothing wrong with trying to share Scripture with them. But if they don't even believe it's God's Word, now you understand why it doesn't resonate. What you need to do is have a discussion and begin getting them to engage in, well, let's look at the possibility that it might be God's Word. This is why I believe it's God's Word. There's manuscript evidence. There's archaeology. There's fulfilled prophecy. What you want to do sometimes when you're, when you're sharing your faith and you want to be reasoned out in our community is you have to discern the first step sometimes is, okay, what do they even think is possible? Is my belief structure something that I take for granted because I've been raised in it and I know it so well, do they even buy into it at the possibility structure? You see what I'm saying? And we looked at that last week because sometimes even in our faith, how many want to be transformed? Okay. See that word? That word? <laughs> I'm setting you up. Here it comes. It says be transformed. That's a, the, the, the tense of that verb is be transformed. It's passive, which means you are transformed. You have responsibility, renewing of your mind, but you are transformed. It says be transformed. It doesn't say transform yourself. So the question is, who does the transforming? God. Okay? So, first question. How many want to be transformed? How many believe God can transform? Okay, careful now. Careful. See, the will, that's, a, that's the easy one for me. Can he? Well, let me, let, me, let me help you out of it. That's just the way I've always been. That's just the way I've always been. Oh, so can, can he do, transform that area? You know? Well, you let him, right? Can he? Sometimes we have limitations placed on God based on our human understanding, even of ourself. I could never go to Haiti. Any, anybody honestly thought that when Mark was talking? Ah, somebody has, because they're right. It, right? See, you've already said that God can't do something. If, you've, if you said, when Mark was speaking and the slide was up, I can't do that, 
were you saying God can't transform you? To give you the heart to go? To provide for you to go financially? Just ask Him. See, sometimes, without even realizing it, we put God in a box. And this is what God can do, and this is what God can't do in my life. In my life. And so, last week, we looked at some examples, right? Remember Jesus in His hometown? Right? He, he shows up, and all of His old friends and neighbors are like, we know this guy. We grew up with him. We know his brothers and sisters. Who does he think he is? Right? And so even in Jesus' hometown, it wasn't possible that he could be God. It wasn't possible, right? And so they had this grid that they placed on Jesus, and it was just impossible, implausible for him to be God, Messiah. So we ask ourselves, okay, in our life, Lord, in my life, I really do want to be transformed, but... Do I really believe you can transform me? Can you really transform me? Because I know me better than anyone. Amen? And I'm really good at kind of showing people at church the good side of me. But can you really transform me? Me? Right? And, and we looked uh, at, at the example of Peter... Right? And, and Jesus walks out there. They all, oh, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. He's like, no, it's me. And what does Peter say? Hey, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come. Right? And he says, okay, come. Peter gets out, starts to walk. Right? Question. Do you think the other disciples were cheering Peter on? Or were they, you're crazy, dude. You're going to drown. These were fishermen. These were fishermen. They knew. Humans don't walk on water. Fact, right? Natural limitation. Human limitation. So imagine that in a different context. Peter says, okay, Lord, tell me to come. He starts to get up. What are you doing, man? Well, he told me to come. Are you crazy? You're going to die. You can't. You can't. See, sometimes we put limitations on God, not because what we believe He can't do, but what others say we can't do. How many of us are limited in what God wants to do with us because we have been told what God can't do in us? And you just bought into it. You, you can't do that. Oh, now you're a Jesus freak. Now you're Jesus. Why are you putting your hands up? You're more spiritual than me? Even in the church, there's this weird peer pressure not to be free in Christ. You know, like Mark stood up during worship. Can he do that? Do we do that here? Is Tyler going to tell him to go sit down? <laughs> right? Even, even, even in church, we have this weird, like, we want to be free in Christ. We want to be transformed. Yes, Lord, have your way. And then we sit here and we're like, Honestly, we're real around here. How many of you have been afraid to raise your hand for fear of what others would think about you? Put your hand, put your hand up. <laughs> Come up. 
How many of you have been afraid? Come on. How many of you have been afraid? I have. I have. You've been afraid to put your hand up because of what the people behind you are going to think. Man, I can't see the screen. Why, Mark, stand up. Mark, sit down, buddy. Right? I mean, we get so wrapped up in the humanness and in ourselves that, that it's, we get driven by what we can't do. So there could be an internal, oh, God can't change me because I've always been this way and you can't teach whatever, you know. I'm so ancient or whatever you want to call it, whatever. Limit. And then, oh, I can't because what are the people at church going to think? I'm all spiritual all of a sudden. And suddenly I'm all, right? Even your buddy sitting next to you. What got into you? You memorizing that verse? Oh, you think you're better than us because you're memorizing now. You're, me- you're memorizing now. Uh, right? Come on. We just want to be free, right? So if we're going to be free to be transformed, we're going to have to settle some issues. Last week it was that God can. Amen? And, 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 and you know, if you're going to get out of the boat, you've got to do it because of Him. We called it the object of your faith. Who or what is the object of your faith? It's got to be Jesus. It's got to be God. And if you look on the back of your notes, that's why we added those verses, right? So that this week, these are great memory verses, hint, hint, right? These are great verses to, to during the week to memorize, to meditate on, to say, okay, Lord, what is the object of my faith? And if we're going to be transformed, we have to be laser focused that God is the object of our faith. That it's God who can do anything. That it's God who can transform me. Okay? And so we, so we may not be totally in this camp, but we may even have these doubts. Remember what happened to Peter? He got out. He, he, he walks on water for we don't know how long. And then the Bible says he looks at the wind and the waves and he freaks out and he starts to sink, right? And Jesus grabs him and saves him. And he says, why did you doubt? Right? And so sometimes some of us, we want to be transformed. We, we actually believe God can, sort of, maybe. Right? We may not be completely, we're, we're like, oh, I'm not so sure. And so we're going to look at that. Turn to Mark 9. We're going to look at a story here of, of a father who maybe is in a bit of a, mm, just a, a doubt, a doubting mindset, a, a not sure if God can do what he says mindset, all right? Mark nine, fourteen. The context is Jesus and three of his disciples have just come off the Mount of Transfiguration, Okay. And so uh, he comes upon the crowd. Mark 9:14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. O unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. 
But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So Jesus comes down and there's a crowd. And his boys, the other nine disciples, are arguing with people, right? And he says, hey, what's going on? Right? And this, this father says, hey, I brought my son, and from childhood, there's this demon. He's a demon-possessed boy. And he, he goes into these convulsions, kind of looks like an epileptic seizures, but he's demon-possessed. He says, hey, I came looking for you. You weren't here, so I asked your boys to drive out the demon. Right? Verse uh, 18. Whenever it sees them, it throws them into the fire. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. All right? Now, what's interesting, okay, is that earlier in the Bible, we see that the disciples had been given authority to cast out demons. Right? Matthew 10, 1 and 8, Mark 6 and 7, Luke 9, 1. Jesus gave his disciples authority to cast out demons. Okay? And then... Not only did he give them authority, in Mark 6.13 it says this, They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So, prior to this event, Jesus say, Hey, you twelve, go out. I give you authority to cast out demons. Mark 6.13, they actually did. Hmm. Okay. So here, verse 18, it says, I asked your disciples to drive out the Spirit, but they could not. Okay. O unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. So the father brings his boy to the disciples, and they fail. Jesus shows up. Woohoo! Jesus is here. Come here. Come here. Okay. What's going on? Well, I brought him, and all right, Jesus. Yeah, I brought him, and 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 if you can do anything, and look what Jesus says. It's very important. He turns it around. Verse twenty-three. Actually, it's called 22. It has often thrown him into the fire, water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Jesus takes it as a disrespect. Let me, let me, let me rephrase that. The father says, hey, you know, I tried with your boys. If you can. If you can do anything. Can you help me out? Jesus says, if you can. Are you kidding? You hear it? Jesus is, is, is he's insulted. If I can? Or if I. I know you know about me. You wouldn't have brought your son without having heard about me. Right? Jesus, if you can. Wait, if I can. He, he's He's... He's pretty insulted. It's personal now. If I can, right? If you can, 
Everything is possible for him who believes. What he does is he turns it around. Let me rephrase that. If I can, how about this? If you can, if you can believe, everything is possible. It's not an issue of my ability. It's an issue of your faith. And for us in the transformation, it's not an issue of his ability. It's an issue of our faith. We've got to settle that issue. See, many people who, who study this, I love this, there's a misplaced if. The if is in the wrong place. The if isn't about Jesus' ability. The if is about the Father's faith. Many times in our life when we come across these situations that are Goliaths or mountains or insurmountable or so huge. Oh, Lord, if you could just provide. Oh, Lord, if you could just. Oh, Lord, if you could just. And sometimes I think God's like, if I? How about if you could just believe what I've already told you? A lot of times the issue isn't, we, we, we want to put it on God as if there's something lacking in Him. When what's really lacking is the if in our faith. The if is, it, it's on us. I love that. He tries to put it on Jesus and Jesus says, oh, no, no, that's right in your court, buddy. I'm ready, willing, and able. If you can believe. If you can believe. So the question, you said you want to be transformed. Do you believe? What if God is saying right now, you want to be transformed? Right? So, you know it's not an issue of my ability. God speaking. Right? So, your, your desire, your willingness, the actual transformation process in 2016, you realize it's really more on you than me. What this is an issue of? Taking responsibility for your faith. Me taking responsibility for my faith. How many times in your life or in my life when I've stumbled or I've failed or I feel like I'm stuck, do I blame God? If only God woulda. If only, if only, if only. He's like, it's not on me. It's not on me. You're stuck. This issue is not getting resolved because you're not willing to believe that I can. So you want to be transformed. Well, according to Romans 9.23, everything is possible for him or her who believes. Do you believe that? Ooh. Right? Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Anyone here struggle with doubts? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Is God mad at you for that? Does He understand that? He does. The question is, what wins? The belief and faith or the doubts? He says, Lord, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. He knows our frailty. He knows our imperfect natures. He knows our sinful hearts. 
He knows we're still in the sanctification process. So the doubts. He knows there's a devil that's going to throw doubts. He knows all of that about us. What does he want? Faith. He wants you to believe. And I love this. Turn to Matthew 17. Same story, but we get a little more detail. Matthew 17. Same story. Go to 17, 18. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. mustard seed. In that culture, it was the smallest agricultural seed that the Jews knew of. If you want an, a mustard seed, it's only like one to two millimeters. So that little pencil in your row there, pull it out. It's about the tip of your pencil. It says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, move, and it'll move. Now, he's not speaking literally. So don't go out here and try to move the topa topas because it's in Matthew 17. You know, sometimes you got to understand it's figurative. And in the Jewish culture, a mountain, it was a colloquialism, it was anything insurmountable. An insurmountable, impossible obstacle. That's what he means by mountain. He says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, that insurmountable obstacle can be dealt with by God. By God. Right? Faith is a mustard seed. Right? question is, do we have faith as a mustard seed? Right? Because going back to Mark, let's go back to Mark. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So do you believe? Do you believe? Now here's, here's what's very important. We have, we have to kind of be careful about going to two extremes. There's one extreme that says, oh, just believe. No reason, no intellect. Faith is just believing. Whatever. Check your mind at the door, right? There's that extreme where faith, you exclude all intellect, all reason. You just believe just because, and it's feelings-oriented and all that kind of stuff. The other extreme is rationalism, where it's all about reason and the intellect, and there's no faith. It's all based on mind and what you understand and, and the human mind and intellect. That's reason. We're talking about right here. We're talking about belief and reason together. And what is the basis of our mustard seed faith? Who God is. You see that? Our mustard seed faith is based on Him, not us. The object of our faith is a very reasoned, rational faith in a God we don't see tangibly because of who the Bible says He is. Amen? So if you're going to believe that God can do the impossible in your life, if God can transform you, you've got to believe on the basis of who he, who he is. Who He is. Right? I shared with you, all of you la- last week, I'll share with you again. Right now, all of you are putting your faith in an object. What is the object of your faith right now? The pew! 
Right now, you are exercising faith in an object. Right? Does it matter how much you believe in this object? Is that changing anything? Does it matter how little you're believing? Well, you're, you're believing. You have a little bit because you wouldn't have sat down, right? But what is the basis of it? It's the object. Right? You can have a lot of faith in a faulty airplane. You can have very little faith in a very solid airplane. The question is, what's the object? The question is the object. And a lot of times in our, in our Christianity, we put our faith in us. I gotta have more faith. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. No, all you gotta do is believe who God is. You gotta take your faith, your, your, the object of your faith off of you. Off of you. See, what happened is, is this, this, this father shows up and his faith is in Jesus, but Jesus is not there. So he says, hey, you church leaders, can you, can you deal with this? Ah! Right? And that disappointment, that failure at the human level, if we're not careful, it translates into our distrust of God at the, this level. The very first church I was at, some things happened and decisions were made that, that were really wrong. And it really, really messed with my mind and my heart about ministry and even about Christianity. I was still kind of a young Christian. But I was struggling and I was upset. And I, I was, my heart was just turning hard and I wanted nothing to do with ministry anymore. And I thought, you know, I was just done. And my mentor sat me down and, and he knew what was going on. And I shared my heart. He goes, oh, kid, you need to Man will always fail you, but God never will. And 26 years later, I still live that. Man will always fail you, but God never will. Question, see, the father, he had had a failure at command level. And suddenly he's like, hey, Jesus, if you can. You see? If we're let down by others, even in the church... And if we try, even in our own efforts, if we're not careful, all of a sudden we start doubting God's ability. And all along it wasn't about Him. It was just, we live in a fallen world with fallen human beings. I probably will guess if you stay here long enough, me or Tyler or Bill are going to step on your toes and ask forgiveness because we're human. Man will always fail you, but God never will. And that's a challenging part because we live on a fallen planet. We go to church and, and we do our best to all be in this walk with Jesus and then the person next to you says something, does something to hurt your feelings and suddenly you're not just mad at them but now you're mad at OVCF. And now you're not just mad at OVCF, you're mad at God and you never want to go to church again. All because someone sat in your seat on a Sunday morning. You laugh! <laughs> You see how easy we can slide into this failure, disappointment at the man level, at the human level, suddenly affecting our view of if God can. If God can. And I love this because Jesus just simply says, if I can, not on me. Everything is possible for him who believes. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You know what I sense? I sense that 
a lot of people see that as a struggle. You know what? I kind of see that as a moment. It's this moment where he gets called on it, and he gets called on it, and he gets to the edge, and you're like, I do believe! Okay, I do believe! And I know there's somebody in here. You just want to have that I do believe moment. You're just itching to stand up like Mark. I do believe this song. He does live. He does live. I do believe. See, this is, I, I, I read this, and I'm like, this is a father who finally, after all this turmoil, all this, at the human level, he just says, oh, it's about you. Oh, yes, I do believe. And somebody in here needs to go to that door and just scream at the top of your lungs, I do believe. Because finally it's clear about why you've been so conflicted church and people and circumstance and the past and all of this and you just come if you can can you have pity on me oh it's not about you it's about me oh around here we call it a come to Jesus moment come to Jesus moment do you believe do you believe And if you do, here's the great thing. You don't have to have it all together. Help my unbelief. It's a mustard seed. But the mustard seed, your faith object is Him, not us. Amen? You see? When you put your faith in Him, everything changes suddenly. The mountains can move. Goliath can be defeated. I can walk on water. Because my object of my faith is no longer me. The object of, no, of my faith is no longer Ovisia. The, no, the object of my faith is no longer my sister or my brother. The object of my faith rests solely on the nature of God. That's when you start to live dangerously. That's when that abundant life and that supernatural life begins to well up. Because you're just set free from the stuff of man. Amen? That's when you take trips that you never thought you would take. That's when you start doing things you never thought in Christ because you're free. Why? Because I believe. I believe. Imperfectly, but I believe. I've driven the stake in the ground. Here we go, Lord. Let's do this. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for lovingly showing us this morning through Your Word that it's not about Your ability. It's not if You can. It's really about our faith. You're really asking us, well, if You will believe, all things are possible. And so, Father, we... sit before you challenged by the things that have happened to us by people even the church that have failed us disappointed us wounded us our own failures things that people have said we can't do all of these things at the human level that that cloud the clarity we need to simply say I do believe Father, this morning, as we we take communion, it's a time of quiet reflection 
on you, Jesus, in remembrance of you, but also, Lord, it's a time for us to to reaffirm our belief. Not just that Jesus died for us, not just that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, but our belief, present tense, that you are God. You are alive. And everything is possible for those who believe. So we take that that truth with us as we come forward and and celebrate communion once again. And we're so thankful for the privilege to do that each week. So Lord, uh, speak to our hearts and and perhaps there are areas in our life, mountains. <coughs> perhaps there are mountains in our life that we have come to the place where we we kind of believe they're not movable. They're insurmountable. Maybe in this time of communion, Father, you'll bring that issue or issues into our heart. And we'll be challenged to believe that you can. Because you are God. A word of encouragement uh, before we dismiss that verse where Jesus says everything is possible for those who believe. Uh, just a word of encouragement and caution. That is, that is a verse that is often taken out of context and abused. You know, name it and claim it and you know, you can order God around if you believe enough. Uh, the truth is, everything is possible and God can do anything, but the context is within His will as revealed in His Word. Okay? And, and I just want to just share that with you because that is a verse uh, that people tend to twist and all of a sudden it becomes about me and I'm asking for selfish reasons and, I, you know, I have faith so God has to. No, God can do anything in accordance with His will and His Word, the power of His Holy Spirit. So you've got to remember that in that. Uh, very important. Okay? That being said, I want to encourage you. If you believe, then you leave here believing. And see what it does to your joy, your enthusiasm, your desire to read the Word, your desire to maybe come Wednesday, your desire to interact, because now you have a forward-looking vision. Now you're excited about seeing what God is going to do in your life. Now you're excited about seeing how this mountain is going to be moved. You see what I'm saying? Amen? Let's stand together and we'll pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you that there is nothing too difficult for you. Thank you that nothing is impossible. And Lord, we affirm, we do believe. Help our unbelief. And so, Father, as we leave here, may we do so in the power of the Holy Spirit, according to your truth. And may, Lord, you renew our minds. May we see our family and relationships and finances and career and school, everything in our life. May we see it through the lens of belief, through the lens of faith that you are God. You love us. You desire the best for us. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. So, Lord, we do love you. And now bless us as we go uh, until we're gathered once again. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Give someone a hug and uh, come over to Fellowship Hall if you'd like.